Hi, everybody. My name is Ben Conrad, and this is Thinking Outside the Church podcast, where we host conversations about the modern church culture and new ways of expressing Christian community. My wife, Katie, and I are working on this podcast in hopes that it will be a resource to help spur on discussions in your own context with your congregations and your leadership teams. We would really like to connect with you to hear about your experiences and so that we can learn from you and be as helpful as possible to you. So please reach out to us through our email or on social media with any questions or comments you might have, and you can find all of that and more in our show notes. This is episode three, and we have Michael Beck here with us today to talk about the blended ecology of church and to share a little bit with us about his story and what's going on at Wildwood UMC in Florida. Thank you so much for being here, Michael. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and just a little bit about your story? Yeah, so let me just share a little bit of my kind of personal journey because it helps kind of frame how I come at um, serving an inherited traditional congregation and church planning out of that traditional congregation. But I was uh, born addicted. My mother struggled with drug addiction and um, prostitution and such her whole life. So my biological father was unknown and I grew up as a street kid, you know, drop out, all that good stuff. But when I was a, when I was young, I was part of a little inherited traditional Methodist congregation, St. Mark's in Ocala, Florida. And I grew up um, in the church. It was a safe place for me. Uh, those folks kind of rallied around me in my infant baptism and committed to raise me in a community of love and forgiveness. And they did that. And they fed me through their never-ending potlucks. And I was mentored by a pastor who just kind of loved on me, cared for me, told me I was going to be a pastor one day when I was 10. So I grew up with this really safe, formative experience of a traditional inherited congregation. I went kind of prodigal for a significant season of my life, which included incarceration and all of that. But when I uh, when Jesus redeemed me from that through through a personal encounter with him in a jail cell, um, I went back to my little childhood church. And then again, I was mentored and shaped and formed to become a, a pastor. So I went through the traditional route of ordination in the United Methodist Church and became ordained as an elder, went to seminary, all that good stuff. So I have this deep love for the inherited church, and I've, I've served um, a, a succession really of revitalization congregations. These are churches that have been in decline for 10 to 30 years. Um, and the current one that I serve right now is Wildwood UMC. And my wife, Jill, and I are the co-pastors there. And we have eight kids in a blended family. So just we kind of realized the church uh, people my age normally don't have the kind of formative experience that I did with the church. And in those seasons of my life, I was very far from the church and very far from the reach of the church. And the likelihood that I was just going to kind of go show up on a Sunday morning worship gathering was very small. So I, I have these two things that kind of shape my um, thinking and my activity really is caring for the inherited church that loved and formed me and loving everything about traditional worship and hymnals and pews and candles and all those things. And realizing that most people are not going to connect with that in, in the emerging kind of network society. 
So the blended ecology is about how do we take inherited congregations and turn it into like a missional sending hub where the whole people of God are released in their everyday normal practices in the first, second, third places that they're in every every day. Uh, and how do we help them become missionaries to a post-Christian context? Mm-hmm. And so our, our little inherited church has been through some changes. Yeah, in our past two episodes here on the show, we talked a lot about this changing culture into that network culture that you're talking about. And I think that one of the questions that rises out of that conversation is, well, what happens to that traditional church that we know and love? If we're shifting this culture, are we leaving this old church behind? And what are the negatives that come with that? What are the positives that come with that? And so it's encouraging for me to hear you embracing both cultures, kind of having a both and mentality. And if I'm correct, you actually wrote a book on this. Can you tell us a little bit about your book and how you see the book coming to fruition in your context? Absolutely. Um, So I think my struggle with some of what I've learned about the emerging church and uh, and some of the the missional thinkers of our time is just way too willing to leave the inherited church behind in the rear view. And I don't think we have to. I think the inherited church um, is rooted in a, a tradition and has a depth that we need in the world today uh, and stands as really of a counter narrative to some of, I think, the deception, uh, the lies that kind of spread throughout our culture. And we really can do both. So we got to get out of that either or thinking. So that the book, kind of the central image for the book, it's called Deep Roots, Wild Branches, Revitalizing the Church and the Blended Ecology. Is really anchored in Paul's image in Romans of the church as an olive tree. Um, and it's a it's a organism for for one. It's a living organism, the church. And in Paul's time, it's a it's a time of liminality and in betweenness and change. So the Gentiles are coming into this this Jewish community, and there's this kind of what I call grafting, and that's his term, grafting. So God is grafting these wild branches into this cultivated tree. And if I think I have, if I had to, you know, say an image for what I see God doing with the church today, it's that there's these inherited congregations with these deep roots um, with traditions that are you know historical um, iterations of the church and people really giving their lives to sustaining that and i see god these the holy spirit out in our communities in these first second and third places raising up indigenous kind of faith communities and then grafting those things together into these this living organism. So one of the things I talk about is we have to sustain the center, care for that inherited church, and do experimentation on the edge and live into that both and this. And that creates really a new missional ecosystem. So I think one of the shortcomings of the inherited church is we see the church as just this facility that we come to on Sunday mornings and we do the religious activity And what I'm trying to expand and think about is that our community actually is an ecosystem and our church compound, the building, is a habitat within that larger ecosystem. But every space and place in the ecosystem is potential church place and every person in the ecosystem is potentially what we call a pioneer 
or somebody that could be involved in pioneer ministry. Um, so that that expands kind of the the reach of the local church. And in the book, I just try to give, you know, the first half of just explaining the theology and the missiology behind all this. And then the second half of the book is like, how do you do this from a practical um, perspective in a local church? And it sounds like there's a lot of challenges that come with that mindset shift that you're talking about for that local and inherited church as well. You have to have a lot of people who are willing to get on board with this. Did you experience any challenges where perhaps your congregation felt like you were devoting more resources to these other expressions than you should? Or like you should be focusing more on traditional forms of worship? How did you navigate that transition of that mindset? Yeah, and that continues, honestly, to be a struggle to this day. Um, and I think the best way to talk about it is kind of mental models. Uh, and inherited church folks have a mental model about what church is and what a pastor is supposed to do. And um, then there, there really is kind of this emerging missional mental model, which is a, a different way to think about the church and really to be the church as, than most of us have known in the inherited context. So in the beginning, I had people saying, you know, wait a minute, so we don't get this, you're going to go have church out in this public space or in this tattoo parlor, this Mexican restaurant, this dog park. Um, and so I, I felt like navigating that challenge, really, I had to care for them. I had to honor their mental model of what church is and do my best to, to serve them um, in the way that they expect, which is, you know, um, the typical traditional role of a pastor is visiting folks and caring for them and being at the hospital and overseeing the meetings and preaching and all of that. But what I had to help my congregation understand is that we've been in decline for 20 years. And if I only do that, this decline is going to continue. If we don't find ways to be church with people that don't go to church, um, our church is just going to continue to decline and eventually die. And I think they had just enough of the gift of desperation that they would, they were willing to experiment there's multiple things I would do differently. I failed forward in this, um, but I did kind of just set some clear boundaries and say uh, half my job is going to be here caring for y'all. I'm going to do everything I can to do that. The other half of my job is going to be out in the community connecting with people. And I want you to join me in that activity and come out and be with me in the midst of that. So obviously uh, people left. People did not have that vision. They did not accept that this is reality and so they found churches that they felt more comfortable in that were not you know uh, shifting into this kind of an orientation and still eight years later in the midst of this i still get um, folks who maybe don't totally understand why we do what we do but we just do our best to kind of bring them along on the journey and to help them understand hey those 90 people that were baptized last year, those professions of faith, not, um, you know, a small portion of them happened in our sanctuary on Sunday morning. Most of them happen out in the fresh expressions of church, the church that we planted in the jail, and these places outside the traditional walls of the congregation. But they are the fruit of your ministry through your, through your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your witness, through your um you know, sacrifice and giving yourselves to this church, that they are part of your harvest. 
And so just trying to graft and help them understand that they're they're really sewing into something beyond what we're doing on Sunday morning. And I would say the majority of folks have come on board with it. They they understand it. They support it in prayer. They um, are even excited about it and energized about thinking about these people that are coming to Christ. But that's taken a really long, messy journey with a lot of people deciding they didn't want to be a part of our church anymore. Right. So do you feel like in the blended ecology that you have congregants from the inherited side that are accepting to the point where they're the ones taking up leadership in fresh expressions out in the community? Or do you find that most of your support in the, the physical ways, in, in leadership capacities, are they from members of the community? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we have 13 fresh expressions at Wildwood now. Um, and they meet in all different kind of places. And I would say the majority of those are inherited church people who caught a vision and said, you know, okay, so I go to the dog park every Saturday. I have friends there. I can, I can have a form of church there with my friends in the dog park. Um, I like to go eat burritos and all you can eat chips and salsa. So yeah, Hmm. I'm going to go be part of that. Then we have, so there's multiple of our fresh expressions. Uh, there's one called, um, uh, it's, a, it's basically a crafts, it's called Arts for Love. And this is just a group of church ladies who like to do crafts and experiment with those things. Um, and connecting with people outside in the community that don't go to church and putting on these kind of like craft gatherings that feature prayer and a little bit of engagement with scripture. So they're doing that in creative ways, and there's a a, a great um, energy around that, and it's contagious. So fresh expressions are born pregnant. When one person starts doing something in their practice, their passion, other people start to catch a vision. Then there's those um, that we've connected with in the community that become pioneers. And I'm just thinking of like Denise, who is very young, relatively speaking, for a Christian She's been a Christian for about a year, like I was there the first time she prayed out loud in a fresh expression. Um, But within a year of that, she was starting Church 3.1, which is a church for runners because she's an avid runner. She connects with these people who do marathons and such. And so this kind of like a pop-up church, they gather using social media, using those flows of a network society. They run... Uh, they pray, they have a little conversation around scripture, and then they kind of go back to work. So yeah, it's both and. People in the inherited church are going out starting these things, these creative communities, using their natural relational networks, and people we're connecting with out in the community are um, feeding back into the inherited congregation, if you will, and, and starting these new creative kind of things. So when you see people in your community getting connected to Fresh Expressions, do you also see them going further into an inherited church model? Like, do they come to church on Sundays, or how do those two things play together? Yeah, and so this is a really key thing, and and this is not—I have to preface this and just say, this is not the goal of Fresh Expressions, okay? It's not to grow your inherited church. It's actually very clearly focused on— being church with people that don't go to church. Mm-hmm. So let me say that first. And what we see happening over time, and this is kind of emerging research coming out of England to uh, Jonathan Dowman and Stephen March and the, the Leicester Diocese um, over in, in the UK. 
um, started to talk about this phenomenon called bridgebacks, where anywhere in that um, fresh expression journey, people can come back into the inherited church. So we noticed actually a lot of people were doing that in our context. Um, and they were coming <clears throat> and experiencing our traditional worship service and not really feeling um, a, a connection with it. And so they wouldn't return. So we created this thing called a fourth place. So the first place is kind of your home space. This comes out of Ray Oldenburg's sociology of place. Uh, the second place is kind of your your workplace or your school place. The third place are those neutral territories where people in a network society gather around usually practices or hobbies or interests uh, out in the community. So we created this fourth place, which we say is something in between a fresh expression of church and a traditional form of church. And it happens, we kind of just took our fellowship hall and renovated it and turned it into like a, a user-friendly kind of communal space where a lot of things happened in there in the week, like a dinner church and a yoga church and some, some other stuff. So we call this new life, and it's a fourth place. So it's in between what they would experience in a fresh expression, what they would experience in an inherited worship service. So it has some of those traditional elements, like we say the Apostles' Creed together, we have the Lord's Supper every time we gather, um, but also there's like social media moments and dance breaks, and it's a breakfast church. Uh, all whole families come and eat breakfast together. So there's that informal kind of open, um, centered set way of being church and everybody's invited. Uh, and, and there's also these traditional aspects. So that at Wildwood has been the the real place of our growth that the inherited congregation has grown through these experiments on the edge the fresh expressions and people are feeding back or bridging back into the inherited congregation i think what happens over time is the stereotypes that nuns and duns have about christians are kind of broken um, in the fresh expressions of church and they say okay christians really aren't that bad these are good people and i want more and then they go check out the, you know, the inherited scene, if you will. So you're actually a member of the Fresh Expressions U.S. team, correct? Yes, sir. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got connected with the Fresh Expressions team and what you do with the team? Yeah, so um, I was connected to the team through this apostle named Chris Backer, uh, who uh, just kind of meets people in coffee shops and... Um, uh, particularly Starbucks, and uh, bring, brings them into this whole beautiful movement of the Holy Spirit. So let me backtrack a little bit. I was kind of doing this stuff like my whole ministry. Um, we, were, we wouldn't have called these fresh expressions when we were first doing them. We would just call them, you know, ministries or whatever. But we were having, you know, church in the tattoo parlor and Bible studies and Mexican restaurants and barbecue joints just kind of realizing through instinct that, oh, people aren't coming to church, so let's go be church. So when I met Chris and was brought into the Fresh Expressions U.S. organization, I, I okay, I've realized I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. There's all these other people that are doing this. There's this whole language around this, and there's this process, uh, which has just, you know, we've taught that. We've, we've lived that at Wildwood. 
um, for the last, you know, five years, just trying to really enculturate our, our church with these, these concepts. So I came onto the team really as a, as a practitioner and as a learner, um, doing vision days and pioneer learning communities and just kind of going around sharing learnings. And what, one of the things I think that's genius that Fresh Expressions US does is they're kind of capturing and really crystallizing missional wisdom from the trenches where it's happening from people that are doing it. And Chris has assembled this team of people all over the United States um, that are doing this and, and figuring this out, just an incredible group. And so I get to be part of that team. And, and um, my primary role is, um, you know, what we're calling remissioning. And so revitalization is, if you think about it, more about like making internal adjustments to try to bring the congregation back to life. So we change the worship or we change the better coffee, better bands, better preaching, better hospitality, whatever. Remissioning is kind of we're on the front end of this learning curve as we're joining with the Holy Spirit's doing out in communities where we do this missional activity with a small team of people, maybe everybody on the inherited church is not even on board for this. With a small team, we start these experiments that then feed back into the inherited congregation and actually remission the congregation. So it's revitalization from the outside in rather than the inside out. And so my role with the FXUS team is kind of vision days, pioneer learning communities, and kind of working with inherited churches and denominations and networks of churches to um, ad adopt this kind of blended ecology way of being church. So in this remissioning of your church, you're taking up the roles of both a permission giver, so you're helping other people develop the vision that they catch, and you're also a pioneer. You're kind of doing this, uh, this dual role. Yeah, that's right. And it's kind of weird because I've always been kind of the pioneer. Um, and I, I just believe that permission givers, so we talk about those three roles, pioneers, supporters, and permission givers. And permission givers are just kind of retired pioneers who have kind of mm. done their, their pioneering and now they're investing in the pioneering of others. Or what J.R. Briggs says, and I love this, is learning to grow our fruit on other people's trees. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my mostly my job. And I learned through failure in my local church. I would start these things. They'd be really cool and thriving for a while. But any time I would try to pass that off or pull out of it, and uh, it just didn't work. So we started just moving into a fully team-oriented approach where the, a team plants the fresh expression. The team is responsible for it, uh, in, and they come as equals in a shared leadership model um, working together. So, yeah, my role mostly uh, in my life is equipping and releasing and um, kind of um, cultivating our our pioneers that's awesome yeah so you don't feel like you have to retire as a pioneer and just be a permission giver so to develop these terms a little bit uh, if i'm a part of a traditional church how would you walk me through the process of transforming a vision from my heart into reality what are some practical steps that i can take in these experiments of church towards that remissioning sure great question um i would start with the team obviously 
Um, and the way that I try to think about that team is you want you want core people, you know, solid, um, I guess, mature disciples of Jesus. You want, you know, people that are on the periphery, kind of on the edge of the core that uh, newer Christians. I mean, this was Paul's model. He would go in very quickly, raise up a church, indigenous leadership, teach him about the Holy Spirit and the power of the risen Christ. And then he move on to the next thing. Next one. Um, and then you want people really on that team that are maybe not even Christian. And we, in Fresh Expression, we use the language of persons of peace, which is from Luke 10. So in a network society, we find those persons of peace who open the third place to us or open whatever the practice is. So for instance, Renee, the yoga instructor, opens us to the network of yoga practitioners. Um, Brian, who owns Fat Cats Artistry in Ocala, the tattoo parlor, um, opens us to that that place and that culture, micro community of tattoo uh, world. Um, so we want those people in conversation with us. We want to co-create those things. Adrian at Moe's Southwest Grill was our person of peace. Wasn't even a Christian when we started, by the way, and said, yeah, you can come do this in my restaurant and got corporate permission and all of that. So you want to locate those people. One of the ways that we do that um, is a simple little tool called a people map. And this is in my book, but it's uh, just basically sitting down with your team. Um, and it can be a small team. I mean, uh, it could be three people, two people, 20 people. Um, start small, dream big. But we just kind of people map the area. Where are the third places in our community? Okay, we got a dog park. We got a Mexican restaurant. We got a tattoo park. We got the MLK Junior Center. So then we start mapping those out, literally like, like on a whiteboard or a, a post-it stick-up note. And then we start asking, do we have persons of peace in these locations? Do we know anybody? And then we, we prayerfully... Um, ask the Holy Spirit, are you leading us to one of these places? Do we have somebody here? Who are the people that we're trying to reach that are not part of our congregation, but are part of our community? And then we go out and prayerfully inhabit those spaces. So if we've decided we have a person to peace at the most Southwest Grill, and we have a potential there and the Spirit's calling us to that, we're going to go eat there regularly. We're going to talk to the staff. We're going to hang out in that space get to know people, talk to the manager, and so on. Um, and so people on the team will go out and do that. And then as we connect with people in the community, it builds energy. And then we just kind of incrementally move through these things. So you may start one, and it starts as, for instance, Denise's Runner's Church. Hey, next week, guys, we're going to come a little bit early, and we're just going to have a prayer. Anybody who wants to join us? You know, come 15 minutes early, we're going to pray. Next time, you know, when when you feel this kind of coming from the community and people are starting to get intimate, ask questions, whatever, um, then you would say, hey, next week we're actually going to stay late and have a little bit of discussion around Scripture. We're just going to take a couple of Bible verses and talk about those. And then we just, you know, we teach our people to ask um, questions about the stories of Jesus is where we primarily focus. You know, Mike Moyna has some great questions on this. Um, if this Jesus story happened today, what would it look like? 
what does this Jesus story mean to you? Not like, what does this Jesus story mean? Or what's the correct theological interpretation of this Jesus story? But what does this story say to you personally? Because you can't get that wrong, right? It's just whatever. And then um, if this story is true, how would it change how we live? And, and those kind of things. So then once you, once you have a, a team and you've got some energy and some ideas, it really does kind of, I think, multiply. And, and so I talk about the final really move of this is releasing because our tendency as clergy, as professional ministers or church leaders is to grab it and try to own it and keep it in the bounds of what we think it should be. But really, anytime anything significant happened in the scriptures or um, in historical movements, it kind of had to be released. It, it steamrolled. It, it was just, um, you know, the Lord added to their numbers daily. And, and we just got to kind of collaborate with the Holy Spirit, not try to control and release our people to, to do what they're called to do. So you've been doing this for about eight years now at Wildwood? Yeah, I've been um, appointed at Wildwood for eight years. So you've seen this remissioning have kind of a snowball effect at Wildwood. Yes, and it's not all um, a bed of roses. There's been a right. lot of uh, beer bottle fight committee meetings. Um, I actually had a cohort of people in my church who decided that it was time for me to leave and um, mm. came to my, you know, my staff parish relations committee and made a very clear statement that either he goes or we go. Um, and we started to really kind of break open the, the racism and the segregation in our community. Wildwood historically is a, a old Florida South town. Our church is a Methodist Episcopal South congregation and Methodism in history. There were two, there was a split over slavery. So there was the Methodist Episcopal South, which wanted to continue to have slaves. And there was a um, the Methodist Episcopal Church. So the, the roots of my congregation go back to that. And the Wildwood community uh, has a, a history of that. So obviously, we don't believe that reflects the kingdom of God or the heart of Jesus in any way. So we've been just kind of challenging that, uh, the segregation in our community, the systemic racism, um, forming relationships um, with people in the community, black and brown persons, and doing ministry with those persons, and prayer walk for racial peace, and all these things that we've done. So some folks in the inherited congregation felt like, um, because they had come from a particular mental model, that they were just not on board for that, and they wanted to go to other churches. So there was the initial kind of, you know, fragility of our church might die because a lot of people who give money uh, are no longer here. But then we started to really just receive this influx of people. And we did the right thing and God is faithful. So people started to just kind of come that that was their heart and passion. And they believed in the things we were doing. Um, so I, like I tell everybody, Wildwood is really a church plant in the midst of an inherited congregation. And there's a, a strong group of people that have been there from the beginning, just holding the church together. And, and they're, they're all in. They're beautiful saints of God. And they've just 
uh, went through these incredible changes and they're still on board. But then there's also a pretty massive cohort of people that have left. Um, and there's kind of a new church that's emerged in the midst of all that. Which is in the blended ecology uh, in complexity thinking, we call this emergence. So the a greater whole is formed from um, this kind of grassroots bottom up emergence when we join with the Holy Spirit's doing in our community. Um, kind of a new creation comes into being. Yeah, it's really challenging. And I guess it's the whole commitment that a lot of church leaders are really going to have to buy into. It's not something that you can just walk into with a weak heart and constitution. It's all in or nothing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And it's really helpful for me personally and a lot of others, I'm sure, in understanding that maybe it's not going to be all easy, but it is beautiful in, in the hard way. And just to wrap up our conversation today, is there anything that we haven't touched on today, anything that uh, you'd like to talk about or a particular message that's on your heart? I think um, there's definitely some adaptation that we have to do as a local church for this to work. And most of our um, foundational programs, I think, need to be remixed a little bit. So like um, Sunday school needs to become an underground seminary for the training of missionaries for a post-Christian context. Um, most of our idea of discipleship, which is about, you know, getting people to study the Bible at the, um, at the church facility. Uh, we need to kind of expand our vision of discipleship, that it's actually happening in every day and every walk of life through socialization and through how we live in community with not yet Christians. Um, and I think if, if I had to like summarize a final um, kind of benediction, if you will, it's that, you know, we're in the third largest mission field in the world um, and the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few and there's nowhere we're going to go where God has not gone before us. The Holy Spirit is already involved in every community and every life that we could possibly encounter. So it's not like we're bringing the Holy Spirit with us, which I think is maybe a mistake of some of our um, missionary history in the Euro tribal church. But the Holy Spirit's already there, and we're just trying to join what the Holy Spirit's doing in communities and in people's lives already. And if we do that, it's scary and it's risky and it's we don't have all the answers. But I just believe beautiful things are going to come out of it, and God's going to God's going to be faithful and be there with us in the midst of it. Thanks for listening to Thinking Outside the Church podcast. We would like to thank Michael Beck for being on the show today. Ben Conrad hosts the show, while I, Katie Conrad, produce and edit the show please rate us on iTunes and leave a review with what you liked. You can also like us on Facebook and send us any questions you may have. This episode was done in partnership with Fresh Expressions US, and this is an organization that is really clued in to the changing church culture, and it's embracing this change as a hopeful opportunity for the Big C Church in America. And Fresh Expressions is hosting a national gathering to help church leaders address the complex social realities of the future on April 1st through April 3rd in Reston, Virginia. My wife and I will be attending, 
And if you are planning on going, feel free to come up and introduce yourself. We'd love to talk about the podcast, about your ideas, your experiences, and get to learn from you. Also, most, if not all, of the people who were uh, interviewed on these first five episodes will also be at the Fresh Expression National Gathering. So it's a wonderful opportunity to get to learn from them. And you can register and find out more about that at fxng2020.org. To learn more about Fresh Expressions, visit freshexpressionsus.org.